0: on the wrestling podcast about nothing gimmick we're gonna put the gimmick in the gimmick and gimmick this whole gimmick up it's our favorite gimmicks of the 1980s gimmick uh,
1: i can tell this is gonna be a fun episode
0: all right plus you're a promo about nothing later and so much more but first tell him george i think i can sum up the show for you with one word nothing Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast of Nothing, episode 143, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus for the ring, and joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars. Now he is a Ring of Honor wrestler. He is still Mr. Inside Edition. He is the chipper kingpin Brian Malonus.
1: Yeah, this is the shits. This is the absolute shits. I am tired. I am miserable. My arm is already tired, and we're four minutes into this goddamn thing. How you doing, Mike?
0: Good. You, what do you mean your arm is tired?
1: <laughs> because you're a crybaby about audio, because you're worried about that bully, Joe Murata, <laughs> telling you your audio quality sucks. So I have to spend a fortune on a, on a new microphone for future recordings and then just destroy my... Uh, My arm uh, holding up my phone to my ear this time.
0: You're recording over the phone? That's ridiculous.
1: Well, hey, you know, we were supposed to get together and somebody canceled on me last minute.
0: Oh, yeah. Things happen,
1: Kingpin. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to tell me, buddy. You don't have to tell the old (laughs) Kingpin about busyness and things to do.
0: I'm sitting here in basically a den of disease. Uh, I mean, this place is just crawling with germs. The entire family has been sick since late last week. Uh, Well, it started with the the kid around the new year, but it slowly has made its way to me and now my wife. And uh, I don't know. It was a rough weekend.
1: Oh, boy.
0: Well, we'll get into our personal lives a little bit later, Brian, but first I want to make sure I bring up the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. That is our website. That is our hub. That is our home base. I want everyone to go to the WPAN.com. If you want to listen to the podcast, you can do so through there. If you want to subscribe to the many different outlets, that you can find the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, including Spotify, including now iHeartRadio. You can follow us on iHeartRadio now, and you can do that through the WPAN.com. Plus, all of our social media links we are at the wpan just about everywhere you have your social media so go find us there and uh, link up with us plus our biographies photos no dick pics just clean uh, wholesome family fun over there at the wpan.com
1: yeah i don't you know i don't think i've wrestled anybody named dick so i think we're safe
0: brian malonis.com is a another place that you'll be safe just to purchase a t-shirt of your favorite wrestler
1: Yeah, BrianMalos.com, yada, yada, yada. Go to buy some t-shirts. Wow.
0: (laughs) As Gordon Ramsey would say, wow, wow, wow. (laughs) So also the ROH Pro Shop, right? The Bouncers t-shirts?
1: Yes, yeah. The the official Bouncers Ring of Honor t-shirt is seen on Ring of Honor television and all over the place now. Not available yet at the live events, but uh, rumor on the street is Perhaps in the great state of Texas, these things might finally make their way to the ROH Pro Shop at the live events.
0: Well, yee
1: So how about that?
0: <laughs> how about that? All right, Brian, let's get right into the show, right into the uh, lead segment here. We're talking the favorite gimmicks of the 1980s. You ask me, have we already done this? No, we've done the worst gimmicks of the 90s, we've done the worst WCW gimmicks, we've never done favorite gimmicks, and we're sticking with the 1980s here, the decade of the 80s, so Brian, this is not favorite wrestlers, it's favorite gimmicks, do you understand?
1: I understand, and uh, you're going to have to leave the low-hanging fruit for me because my list is on my phone, so, (laughs) you know, comedy of errors this week on the WPAN. (laughs) Well, <laughs> I already call, uh, I'm, I'm pulling a Conrad Thompson here. Uh, this is the worst episode of all time already.
0: Wow. Okay, yeah. The, uh, let me just say, the reason that you're on your phone is because your microphone had a buzzing noise that I dealt with like a month ago when we recorded remotely, but it took a lot of work to get it to sound okay without a buzz, and you sounded like you were you know a million miles away from me. I think going with you talking on the phone is going to give me a better sound and uh, take less finagling than it did that time I last spoke to you remotely.
1: I think it uh, probably is more of an upsetting thing to you than it is the fans of this podcast. But, uh, you know, what do I know?
0: Very little, apparently. Okay, (laughs) Kingpin. (laughs) You're uh, a good friend of mine. You're my love. I love you so much. So why don't you start out giving us one of your favorite gimmicks of the 1980s? Of course, we're leading up to our number one favorite gimmick of the 80s. But let's let's get the motor running here. Let's get us warmed up.
1: Yeah, I'll start with a uh, big dog, Mike. Not not the big dog. Cause yeah, because that's not uh, the 80s. Yeah, yeah, he didn't wrestle in the in the 80s. He's probably born in the 80s, I would assume, but certainly not. Not a wrestler in the '80s, but uh, when you think of '80s wrestling gimmicks, I'm going to go with a, with a big one out there, Mike. I'm going to kick us off with the Honky Tonk Man, a real you know, a real obvious one, but nonetheless, uh, just an absolutely tremendous gimmick. I love the theme music. I still know every word to it uh, to this day. At some point, I did I did know uh, the words to uh, Honky Love, the <laughs> second uh, <laughs> song of the Honky Tonk Man, the rhythm and blues theme, but have since forgotten those words. Yeah, the honky tonk man. Uh, definitely one of the uh, one of my favorites of all time.
0: I'm the one you've been dreaming of. You know, you got to, got to, got to have some
1: honky love. Thank you, thank you. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that.
0: We're a little uh, off kilter here because you're, of course, as we mentioned, speaking on your phone.
1: Anyway, not, yeah, I have to, I have to pull it back to my face. So it takes four seconds for me to be able to respond to anything you're saying.
0: <laughs> this is working great so far, Brian.
1: No, I'm not salty at all.
0: No, you're not. You're not. But the Honky Talk man, I will agree, great gimmick. Who would have thought an Elvis impersonator would have been one of the top gimmicks in the 1980s and I agree it was fantastic. He, you know, he went with it 100%. He dove in with both feet. He had the, you know, he had the music. You got Jimmy Hart, even at some points you have Peggy Sue. Uh, at WrestleMania, you had the the pink Cadillac. He was just 100% committed to it and not only that, the reign they gave him as Intercontinental Champion just bolstered him as a as a wrestler, and just bolstered the whole gimmick. You know, he's got his gold; it doesn't have a gold record. He
1: has a gold belt, the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time,
0: so they say. So he says. I I would agree. The Honky Talk Man, one of the tops. It was on my list. One of the top gimmicks of the eighties. Not the top, very tippity top, but it's something that you look at at face value and say this wasn't supposed to work but a guy like uh, Wayne Ferris, if you will was able to pull it off and good on him.
1: You hit the nail on the head Mike, the, the, just the commitment to the character itself, like the just, I mean he yeah, he fully went to it you can tell sometimes when guys aren't fully behind you know, a gimmick, I mean later on in the 90s, <laughs> Billy Gunn as Rockabilly would be a, a pretty good parallel or a comparison yeah. for the opposite of what happens when somebody uh, or what happens when somebody doesn't buy into a gimmick?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. He wasn't uh, wasn't feeling it at all. And of course, ironically, Honky Talk Man was his manager. I don't know, Honky couldn't uh, through osmosis make Rocky Billy work. Uh, I don't think anyone <laughs> could have.
1: Rick, Rick Rick Flair couldn't have made Rocky Billy work. Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> But later he would find great success as Mr. S. Yes, he would. So thank goodness for that. All right, my first pick. One of the best gimmicks of the nineteen eighties. I mean, you have to go you have to go with the macho man Randy Savage, right? Hmm.
1: You know, I didn't have him on my list because when I when I'm thinking of gimmicks, I didn't necessarily I guess think of of the macho man.
0: Well, he is a macho man. I mean, look at him.
1: <laughs> he is he is very macho.
0: He wears purple and various loud colors he's got the glasses he's got the shtick.
1: he he's a living gimmick. look at him, yeah, he is. I guess I just wasn't thinking about it in that in that sense but i but i am I'm, I'm right there with you the uh, man is one of my top two or three favorites of all time, so
0: right, yeah, I understand what you're saying that it's not like you don't it's not a cut and dry gimmick where he's a milkman he's a you know he's a trash man, that kind of thing. It's not like cut and dry, but just. Like I said, he's a he's a gimmick. He's a living gimmick. He's he can't be this person all the time, can he?
1: <laughs> I don't know if you listen to some of the stories, <laughs> he might he very well may have been.
0: Perhaps, perhaps. But Macho Man Randy Savage. I mean, I'm I'm putting him out there first. Not at the top of my list. He's not near the top as far as gimmicks go. So I, I I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Is that it's not completely a a gimmick gimmick, but the man himself is just. He can't be duplicated. There's, there's no other person. There's no, there's no one else like Randy Savage.
1: All right, Mike. I'm gonna. I mean, a lot of these are gonna be WWF of the '80s heavy. At least, at least for me.
0: Well, I think uh, people yeah. come to expect that from us. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Northeastern yeah, so, people. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do, Mike. Are you re- are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm gonna G R A B T H uh, E M C A K E S. Ow! <laughs> exactly, junkyard dog J Y D. Grab them cakes. Another song I know many of the words to. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was singing that song as a as a child, not fully understanding what uh, "grab them cakes" really means. <laughs> I, re- I recently listened to it and uh, and I told my daughter what he was singing about.
0: Well, what is he singing about?
1: Come on, Mike. Grab them cakes.
0: Let's grab an ass.
1: Yeah, you got to grab some ass. Jesus. Especially when you're dancing.
0: (laughs) This is the 80s. This is for the kids.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's why I cleaned it up. Grab them cakes. Is that all you do? (laughs) Mike, I think we got to do a video of you uh, doing the JYD dance.
0: (laughs) I don't think uh, that's fit for public consumption.
1: <laughs> one of the one of the I think the the lasting images of JYD for me is I believe you know, I'm pretty sure it was WrestleMania three, with him going down in the little cart with Harley Race's crown and cape.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: and and it had the he had the he had a like curtsy to him, I believe, was like the stipulation of the match, or he had to declare him like the true king of wrestling and bow down to him. But then ultimately J.Y.D. stole his crown, stole his cape. Good stuff. Love JYD. When I think of eighties WWF, I mean he's right there. Um, you know, not Hulk Hogan, but on the babyface side, you know, a step below Hulk Hogan.
0: But Sylvester Ritter, the man who played Junkyard Dog, what is the actual gimmick? He is he is a junkyard dog. He is a dog in a junkyard.
1: Yeah, he would do. He would he would get down like a dog.
0: He would get down like the dog. That I know from <laughs> Vince McMahon and the uh, wrestling I wouldn't album.
1: I wasn't like that, but he would get down on all fours. He would do the headbutts. <laughs> he was a dog, Mike. He wore the dog. He wore a dog chain out.
0: He wore. A do- he didn't have the dog collar and such. Okay, I'll go. I'll go with the junkyard <laughs> dog.
1: hear my head and I was, "Get down with the dog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Get down.
1: Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable. Okay, junkyard dog. We'll go with that. How about this one? Uh, a little before my time. I mean, he started, uh, I think, in the seventies. But we talked about him last week. George the Animal Steel.
1: Yeah, yeah, we did. We did talk about him last week. But uh, I mean, are you— which version of the animal are you going with here?
0: I mean, I'm just the character overall. He is a man who, basically, he's almost mute. He knows how to speak singular words here and there. People. Bought into it, I think, especially you know back then in the eighties, that he's a, a guy grotesque, as Vince McMahon would say. Look at the folds all over him. He's got the body hair and all this stuff. George the Animal Steel was—I I don't know if you, I don't know if I'd say believable. It's it, one of the most unique, one of the best characters, I think. And no one other than this guy, Jim Myers, George Steele, no one but him could do it. Just.
1: Your mind, you know uh. you yeah i mean it's the lovable version of george animal steel just like we talked about last week I, that's why when i talk about the distinctly different uh, i think there's two distinctly different characters within the animal there was the more vicious animal and then there was the kind of caricature of George george animal steel of being that lovable kind of um, simpleton i think i think would be a fair a fair um, description of of the animal as well. Big, dumb, lovable animal. <laughs> Who is madly in love with Miss Elizabeth?
0: Yeah, he's trying to hook up with Miss Liz.
1: <laughs> she wasn't having any of it.
0: Can't blame a guy for trying, can you? You,
1: you know, you know, you know the, th- the thing of it is, is Elizabeth there, you know, she doesn't get it. She didn't get enough flack back in the day for kind of leading the animal on.
0: Oh, boy. In this day and age, I, I, Brian, come on.
1: You know, if you, if you go back and look at some of the Macho Man stuff... With with Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was always kind of painted in that favorable light, but she definitely did aid the Macho Man very subtly, and I think true colors showed more often than not.
0: So she let him on. Yes, let him down the primrose path.
1: Yeah, to 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 slaughter by the Macho Man.
0: What else you got there on your list? Favorite gimmicks of the nineteen eighties. Of course, we're leading to our number one favorite gimmick of the eighties of all time.
1: So, so it's funny when when I was a kid growing up, I was very much a cheer for the good guys, boo the bad guys sort of guy. But I've come to appreciate, um, I've come to appreciate other people late. You know, as I've gotten older and gone back and watched stuff, and a guy who uh, I really enjoyed his his, his heel character uh, after he turned on Tito Santana and broke up Strike Force, which devastated me as a as a child because I loved Strike Force the model Rick Martel another guy who much like the honky tonk man just fully bought into that to that character and that transformation uh, he had from that you know kind of white meat traditional baby face you know high high knee step oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know the the angle with Jake the Snake Roberts uh, one of the most memorable in wrestling history i think
0: So the one thing that I got out of this, the model character, is the best way to let other people know your career, your career path, if you will, (laughs) is through a very large
1: button. Am I correct? I think that's a fair assessment.
0: Yes, I am a model. That's how you let people know.
1: Where are you from, Mike?
0: You don't actually book any modeling gigs. Just get a big pin and put it on your lapel. (laughs) Where, what did you say? Where is he from? Uh, yeah, where's he from? Uh, it's Montreal, right?
1: No, Cocoa Beach, Florida.
0: Oh, excuse me.
1: Jesus.
0: Oh, it must he must have moved? He must have.
1: You must have stopped watching wrestling by then already.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I I do <laughs> recall Cocoa Beach, Florida. But uh, originally, I'm sure he is. Uh, that yeah, he is born in Canada, right?
1: He is. He's Canadian, but I mean, the model Rick Martel character is from Cocoa Beach, Florida.
0: Is the, the modeling scene big down there?
1: <laughs> I Sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it must be. Must be. All right. The model Rick Martel. I gotcha. I gotcha. How about this, Brian? Very similar time frame. I was just getting into wrestling at the time when Rick Martel turned heel on Tito Santana and Strike Force. How about this tag team? Speaking of tag teams. The Fabulous Rougeau Brothers.
1: I had them on my list as well.
0: Their heel gimmick, absolutely tremendous. Uh, was this the first time where you had, I mean, maybe not, but one of the first times I recall where you had the sanctimonious, the the heel that thinks he's a baby face.
1: <laughs> what do you mean? They're all American boys, Mike. They love the USA.
0: You're talking about uh, music for JYD. Absolutely fantastic theme song. These guys that are just uh, sarcastically loving the USA. And one of the best parts about it is the tiny, teeny, tiny American (laughs) flags that they had.
1: And Gorilla Monsoon loved pointing out how small they were.
0: Just showing off their patriotism with those eensy little American flags. Yeah, this gimmick was fantastic. I didn't really... I wasn't really exposed to them that much as a babyface team. I just think, if I'm not mistaken, they're just pretty dry as a babyface tandem, right?
1: Yeah, they were. They were like, well, use the term again, white meat babyfaces.
0: Yeah. So. Them turning heel and just, hey, they're moving to the U.S. They're moving to Memphis. It's tremendous. You all should welcome us. We're great. We are here. We're actually making this country better just by being in it. You should enjoy us. We are the Fabulous Rougeau Brothers. Absolutely uh, loved
1: it. Me too, buddy. Me too. That's, that's, that was a, kind of off the beaten path one I had on my list. So it's funny that you also had it.
0: Jacques and Ramon, as uh, Gorlamunsu would say. <laughs> or Raymond to the layperson.
1: <laughs> yes to the person.
0: they're french canadian but one of them had a uh you know a hispanic sounding name
1: <laughs> covering all bases
0: <laughs> exactly it's a melting pot they're in the u.s
1: all right well like my, my, my next one uh I, I guess i'm not gonna i guess it it's pretty close to the to the Rougeot brothers and that this guy was their manager amongst the Many other people's managers uh, in the 80s, most notably, I think, the Hart Foundation, I think, really stands out. But Jimmy Hart, if there ever was a gimmick, the mouth of self, Jimmy Hart, much, I guess, much in the vein of the macho man. But this guy was a living, breathing gimmick. Um, again, a guy who just sold out for everything. I mean, sold out, like, in a good way. Uh, meaning, I mean, this guy, how many freaking jackets... Do you think Jimmy Hart has owned in his career? I mean, he had just custom jackets. He had a custom jacket for Dino Bravo for Christ's sake. I mean,
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's saying something.
1: Yes, I mean the the megaphone, the 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 jackets, just the whole the whole package. Think of how much gear. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if Jimmy Hart's a guy who saved it or has sold stuff over the years, but if he if he has it all, like that guy must have a, a warehouse like the WWE has just to have all his jackets and megaphones and and, and things of that nature.
0: Yeah, probably. And we could personally attest to the fact that Jimmy Hart is a living gimmick because we met him. He came to a chaotic wrestling show probably what, five plus years ago now, and walk up to him. Before the show, no fans around. Shake his hand. Tell him your name. He says, uh, "Nice to meet you, baby." Like, Call this baby. He's calling people baby.
1: Were you like uh, using my babies now?
0: <laughs> no, I wasn't. I let him have it for that day.
1: My my brother has a interesting an interesting story with Jimmy Hart, uh, and just like he he shares a name with him, and he introduced himself, you know, and he say, he says. And Jimmy Hart goes, "Oh, hey, Jimmy!" And, and he goes, and my brother goes, "Oh, Jimmy!" Jimmy Hart kind of just gave him like that look, like, "Like, are you shitting me?"
0: Or he <laughs> just parroting back to me what I just said.
1: <laughs> the Playboy with the mention here this week.
0: <laughs> Speaking of the Playboy, uh, there's an addition to the Playboy household, correct? Can we talk about this.
1: Yeah, yeah, the play, Playboy Junior, the. Uh, the tag team partner of the Kingpin Jr. was uh, has, has entered the world. So,
0: Baby Playboy is here.
1: Yes, the Malonis Wrestling Dynasty is uh, well on its way.
0: Congratulations!
1: Yes, yes, cute little guy. Uh, I, I posted a picture on my wrestling social media of uh, uh, the first meeting of uh, Uncle Kingpin and uh, Playboy Jr.
0: Well, congratulations to Jimmy and the family. Uh, Speaking of gimmicks, huh? (laughs) Speaking of gimmicks, new little guy in the world. That's a great thing. Congratulations to the Playboy and uh, all those in the Malonis uh, clan.
1: Maybe someday it'll be uh, Kingpin Jr. versus Playboy Jr. with uh, Crockett Jr. as the ref.
0: (laughs) We'll see if we can get that done for like uh, 2040 or something like that.
1: (laughs) It's somewhere around there. (laughs)
0: All right, Brian. What I'd like to have right now is for all you fat, out of shape hosts of the wrestling podcast about nothing.
1: You're looking at yourself in a mirror?
0: (laughs) Keep the noise down while I can talk about Ravishing Rick Rude, one of my favorite gimmicks of the 80s.
1: Yeah, I mean, another guy, though, it's like, what was his actual gimmick?
0: Well, his actual gimmick is that he was a sex pot.
1: Oh, excuse me! <laughs>
0: He's <laughs> ravishing. He is a a sexy individual.
1: I, I always love the shots the cameraman would get of the women literally licking their chops at, <laughs> <laughs> at Rick Rude. It was ridiculous,
0: and I don't think those are really plants either, right?
1: I don't. Th- I mean, w- with the amount that they showed, I I, I can't imagine that that those those were plants.
0: I don't think so. And yeah, there have been a ton of these kind of things over the year the sexy boy who i mean obviously sean michaels later in the uh, 90s kind of took up this helm but one of the best to do it i think is ravishing rick rude just the guy who is the lady killer
1: yeah and i think you know the funny thing if you hear the stories about rick rude is he had this kind of flamboyant gimmick but then if you hear stories he was like a legit badass <laughs> like in real life
0: yeah i heard that he's uh Heavy smoker and a lot of stuff about firearms. I've heard with Rick <laughs> Rude,
1: and what a mustache!
0: And quite a mustache, yes. And before that, a, a lovely head of hair. <laughs> yeah,
1: yes, it was very '80s, <laughs> almost like almost like a perm, almost right.
0: Something like that. Yeah, it was. It was kind of uh, Macho Man ish, but still, it had its own little flair to it. But Ravish Eric Rude, of course, he finished the match with the Rude Awakening, and then he'd finish the match again with another Rude Awakening, where that one would be Bobby Heenan picking a woman out of the crowd who was probably more likely to be a plant to uh, have a a lip lock with Mr. Rude in the ring. And of course, he'd drop her all the way down to the mat and then gyrate (laughs) over her. In truly <laughs> sickening fashion,
1: <laughs> and you can't can't ever forget with Rick Rude the um, the custom airbrushed tights the, for almost every every at least every meaningful match that he had right. every every big big time match that he had
0: and the big one of course was uh, Cheryl Roberts Jake Roberts' <laughs> wife and Jake Roberts <laughs> warned him if he wore them again he would take them off of him and. Rick Rude did, and Jake Roberts did. So that was a <laughs> a tremendous angle surrounding the the tights of Ravishing Rick Rude. Yeah, that whole lady, you know, the lady. I was gonna say woman pleaser, but uh, that's, that's oh. someone else altogether. Oh, good but God. there, over the years, there've been a ton of them. I think you know. Everyone, when they come through a wrestling school, they, they think, like, hey, uh, my gimmick is I'm going to have, have all the ladies.
1: Uh,
0: my, that's, like, the like the go-to, almost.
1: That and the rich guy gimmick. <laughs> uh, yes. And they show up driving a 1994 Ford Taurus.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Ravishing Rick Rude, one of the best to do it. Uh, definitely not the woman pleaser, George Caesar. So, Brian... We're talking about the favorite gimmicks of the 80s. What you got? All right. So I, I think, you know, you
1: know I, I, no, I think I can safely say and I think I've said it before. Uh, kind of my favorite big man of the uh, of all time, that's the big boss man. Um, I thought both the heel kind of, uh, uh, the heel version of, of him being a, <laughs> an abusive um, prison guard and and then later, the baby face version of the big boss man, both tremendous and a guy who completely bought into uh, the gimmick. And, and I, I thought it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. The boss man, of course, just such an agile big man and somebody who I've stolen much from. Uh, I did a boss man slam last night in Atlanta, so <laughs> <laughs> it, which infuriates me that people call it the black hole slam. Infuriates me. But
0: yeah, you didn't twist around with it, right? You just came straight down.
1: No, I, I guess I twist around with it, but I, I don't know. It's still the boss man slam.
0: No, boss man slam is just he comes off the ropes and up under your arm and down.
1: Oh, Michael!
0: So I probably was a black hole slam. You did.
1: Shut your mouth! <laughs> what do you know? You don't know Jack squat.
0: You say to shut my black hole.
1: <laughs> You're a ref.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, big boss man. Uh, you hear this a lot when people go in to see Vince McMahon, where they're coming into the WWF. He was coming from. Jim Crockett promotions from actually the UWF as well, as Big Bubba Rogers, a he was a bodyguard essentially for Jim Cornette. So when he came in to the WWF, you go in the office, you meet with Vince McMahon, and the thing you always hear is he says, you know, what's your background? What's you know what what have you done for work? What's what are you all about? What did you do before you got here? And he was actually a prison guard. So that is where the big boss man goes. It came from and it's kind of genius when you think about it it's probably missed sometimes as well as hit a bunch of times vince asked shane douglas what his background was he's a teacher so he became dean douglas that didn't quite get off the ground like the big boss man did but the, the it's kind of a genius thing to really tie someone into their own past so they can really draw from their past experiences and i mean it paid off in spades for the big boss man
1: yeah, I mean, th- I think in one of the things that really stands out to me—it's such a small thing—but it would be during promos when he would just pound his hand with the billy club and grasp it tight and then pull it out of his hand. To me, little things like that really complete the the picture and really add some realism. And um, I, you know, all these years later, that you know, distinctly remembering, like thinking about how hard he was hitting the billy club into his hand and then how hard he was pulling it out of his hand. Like to this day still sticks with me uh, about his conviction when it comes to that character.
0: Turns you on a little bit too. Uh,
1: All right, Mike. (laughs) 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 Excuse me. Tarzan over there.
0: Yeah, well, you know, getting over sickness, Brian, getting over it. Speaking of the big boss man, how about someone very closely associated with the boss man? I'm going to say it. One of my favorite gimmicks of the 80s, the Doctor's style Slick.
1: Oh, that's not where I thought you were going. <laughs>
0: oh, maybe maybe you can handle that later. I don't know if that's on your list or not. But <laughs> the, people seem to list. go... It's not people, yeah. People just seem to go 100% one way or 100% the other with that guy. But I say the Dr. Styles Slick. Back to the music once again. One of the greatest theme songs of all time Jive Soul Bro. But I mean, this guy's basically a pimp, right? He's looking for new ways <laughs> to make money. So I he's pipping out WWF superstars,
1: right? Uh, I mean, I never thought of Slick as a as a pimp, but. No. No, not really, no, no. What'd you think of him as? He's pimp and hose nationwide. Yeah, <laughs> like, Of course. I don't I don't think so. I think that's the godfather you're thinking of, Mike. <laughs> no,
0: no, 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 no. It's slick, come on. People out there, oh. they know Slick's supposed to be a pimp. Get out of town.
1: He's a reverend, Michael.
0: He became a reverend. He had to change. Uh, he had to really change. To <laughs> really <laughs> had to uh, have his sins forgiven to become a reverend. But yeah, the Slick was, come on. What do you think he was then? Was he just a, a guy with style?
1: Yeah, the doctor of style.
0: Uh, Brian, 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 you're very naive. I know you came into this uh, sport <laughs> young. Look at it with your 30-something, whatever your age you are, year old eyes. Look back at Slick. Come on, he's a pimp.
1: I don't know. He doesn't strike me as a pimp. I, I don't know why he just doesn't. He strikes me as like this guy who is like a low life, but he tries to convince people that, that he's maybe wealthy and he's really not. And he, you know, he lives beyond his means and gets himself into trouble. Like that. That's what's slick. When I think of slick, like he, um, I think he's more like a, like a, like a charlatan type of, uh, character than a, than a pimp.
0: Okay. That's, that's, Plausible, But I want people out there, let us know at the WPAN on Twitter. Is Slick a pimp? We will put up a poll. Oh
1: my Slick God. a pimp.
0: <laughs> Is that a good thing to put on a poll?
1: I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I honestly <laughs> don't know. This All may right. be the last episode of the WPAN. <laughs> We're going to go viral and, and get an angry mob against us online.
0: That could only help us, Brian, when it comes to listens for the WPAN.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got some other things going on, though, that, that might not be good for. So, you know. No? All right. So,
0: no Akeem on either of our lists. Is that what we're saying?
1: No, I thought it's where you were going. And my I was going to say Mike Mills just spit out his coffee and he wasn't even drinking any. <laughs> I
0: mean, I kind of. Funny? I mean, not at the length of time it went on for. But I guess it would be kind of a funny joke to do for a week or two.
1: From uh, deepest, darkest Africa.
0: He sure was.
1: All right. Are we starting to the start get to the top of our list here, Mike?
0: I think so, Brian. Why don't you hit me up with another one, and we'll kind of whittle down here to our number ones.
1: All right. Mike. one of my, my My favorite tag team of all time and also one of my favorite gimmicks demolition no they are not a ripoff of the road warriors oh boy sorry mike mills it's not it's not true they they don't look anything like the road warriors other than the fact that they both wear face paint and there's lots of guys who wear face paint demolition my favorite tag team and one of my favorite gimmicks of all time these guys were just i mean the theme music the look the face paint the way they uh, the way they worked in the ring, the way they cut promos, just unbelievable. Like so, I mean, here, look, I think how crazy they looked, and yet you believed in them completely.
0: What is their gimmick?
1: I I don't fucking know. <laughs> Bondage? <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't know. Like, they, they, I mean, if that that is if that isn't the definition of <laughs> of a gimmick, then I don't know what a gimmick is because those guys were just unbelievable the the um again from the look to the, the every everything match and so sometimes you see in wrestling guys cut a promo a certain way or or they look a certain way but then other things they do that doesn't all match up and it feels sort of out of out of you know feels out of sorts and not quite right but everything those guys did was just consistent with um uh, the way they looked, the way they worked the way they talked everything just matched up perfectly and, and I, I love demolition
0: so we're going from a pimp to a couple of guys into M, is what you're saying
1: <laughs> i think you can make a better argument for them uh, being all about snm than you could slick being a pimp
0: oh <laughs> anyway brian uh demolition i mm, i i considered the putting them on my list i just couldn't come up with the what are they what are they <laughs> i don't know <laughs> besides the lfd ripoff
1: oh boy here we go <laughs> <sighs> you're trying to get me upset and I'm not, I'm not gonna do it
0: i mean the road warriors brian the road warriors they are a gimmick they you know basically well they're basically ripped off from mad max but the road warriors hawk and animal that's a gimmick
1: but on the flip side, the Road Warriors couldn't lace Demolition's boots. Demolition were better workers by a mile.
0: But look at those Road Warrior pops.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that regional promotion they were in. Oh, boy. And they that's, like disc- ta- that's like me talking about my chaotic wrestling accomplishments. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: can't argue with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Road Warriors for regional wrestling stars? Yeah, I mean you know, when they became LOD and came to WWF, that's when they became stars.
0: All right. Speaking of uh, regional stars, (laughs) let's talk about this gimmick. You talked about the, everyone does the rich boy gimmick. And we also talked about the lady killer gimmick. I don't think anyone combined them better than the nature boy, Ric flair.
1: What's a nature boy though.
0: (laughs) I mean, that that's, that can be debated. Uh, not really well, but <laughs> nature boy. <laughs> that's that's one thing. But he it was uh, rich. He showed off his wealth, and he lived the gimmick as uh,
1: <laughs> my shoes cost more than your car,
0: <laughs> <laughs> than your house. Your house. Get Sorry, right of the house.
1: Yes. <laughs> Sorry, boy. I'm going to get the book of the territory police after me.
0: Yes. Yeah, so just the the whole horseman vibe overall with uh, rick flair blanchard anderson the whole lot of them it it, it, it rang true because i mean essentially it was rick flair had a wife at home but you know who knows what he was out doing on the road actually we kind of know what he was out doing on the road <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> yeah i don't think it's real, i don't think it's a real uh a real secret um about his life
0: no no one lived the gimmick more i think than the nature boy rick flair
1: no, I would I mean I would agree. I mean it, it, again, it's the, the the one thing that that a lot of these guys just have in common that are on this list are just the commitment and the conviction and the characters and and when they were on screen there was absolutely no doubt that that what you were seeing was it was, was real, was genuine, that it wasn't an act, it wasn't a put on, it, it it was the genuine article.
0: Yeah, there's really no debating that. So, we're really getting down to the wire here. You do you, you just have one more you think?
1: Yeah, I, I I got my my tippity top one left, Mike. Is there anybody else you want to get on? I mean, or, or do you want to do your top first? How do we want to do this?
0: I mean, I have the new breed on here, but I'm not. <laughs> I guess they're probably not my number one.
1: I mean they have become a favorite. (laughs) Yes,
0: I'm not sure if it's a joke or not, but it's on my list. The new breed. We've had them numerous times with a promo but nothing. Uh these two guys, Chris Champion, Sean Royal, came from the year two thousand one, I think? Or is it two thousand two? But anyway, uh they came from the future back to nineteen eighty six to take over wrestling, I guess, is the thing or something. They didn't really accomplish that. That's Sad, but it, it was something that they tried.
1: You sound like Sean Royal during a promo right now.
0: <laughs> I guess I do. But I, I guess, yeah, new breed, it was something. It was something. We'll give them that. um Man, there's a couple left here. Why don't you give me your number one? And I think we might be in sync here, and I'll take the other <laughs> number one because there's a couple <laughs> big ones at the top, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh- I mean, I guess, like, yeah. Well, I'll take one. And I'm sure you'll probably take the other. So, I'll, I'll I'll take the one that I that I think. I'll take the opposite of what the one I think you're gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna say Mr. Perfect because Mike, he was everything he said he was. Absolutely perfect. Uh, I love Mr. Perfect. Uh, he and in order to pull off that gimmick, you had to have the type of ability that you know Kurt Henning had in the ring. You couldn't be um, I don't think you could be like an ultimate warrior, <laughs> you know, wrestling ability wise and call yourself Mr. Perfect. I think you had to have that silky smooth kind of work that Mr. Perfect had. And then the way he could sell, uh, it just all worked, worked perfectly. But I think, you know, in order to pull off that gimmick, you had to be able to to be a tremendous worker, which I mean, Kurt Henning. I mean, you could make a case for for what? Top five all time.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah! you couldn't have two left feet, and not even, like, uh, on top of, like, being a great worker, you had to have, like, great hands and do the stuff like toss the towel in the air and catch it, you know, hit the gum, all these little things that, I mean, usually the traditional heel is somebody who's clumsy, who's bubbling over himself, but this Mr. Perfect is a heel, he had to do things perfectly, not mess up, not trip himself up, and uh, a difficult task, but it didn't really seem so for a guy like Kurt Hennig.
1: Yeah, because traditionally you would see this type of character, but it would almost be like an oxymoron. It would be, you know, it's, he, he calls himself perfect, but he's not really perfect, but the entire Mr. Perfect character was, you don't like him because he, he's everything, he really is. He's everything he says he is. He's this unbelievable performer. He's a good-looking guy. He can do all these great athletic things, and you can't, and he'll tell you about it. Uh, so I think a little, a little different than what you would normally see from that type of character, I think.
0: Yeah, and when he, I guess he had to turn baby face at some point. I mean, he's so good at everything that people just end up getting behind you, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, one of my favorite things you kind of talked about the towel throwing, but the there's a there's a gif of it out there of of uh, perfect throws it as he's walking and 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 Bobby the Brain Heenan catches it and you know just as they're walking and it just perfect timing
0: it looks like he drops it but he didn't like he catches it out out of frame like behind his back and it comes it also just appears it's like whoa (laughs) pretty awesome
1: yeah so yeah yeah i'm assuming that was one of the two you were thinking of mike but yeah mr perfect um unbelievable on on so many levels and as great as the heights that he reached were it, it almost feels like there was some stuff left on the table there with, uh, with Kurt Henning.
0: Yeah, you are correct. That was, uh, one of the ones I'm thinking of. And the other one that I'm sure was on the tip of your tongue as well is perhaps the greatest gimmick ever devised in the world wrestling federation. And one that, uh, you know, Bruce Pritchard famously said, uh, if Vince McMahon was to give himself a gimmick, this would have been the gimmick. Of course, I'm talking about the million dollar man. It ended up becoming Ted DiBiase, and a guy like DiBiase pulled it off perfectly. Essentially, because he was given a roll of cash to carry out on the road with him, he basically became the million dollar man everywhere he went.
1: Yeah, can you can you imagine what a, how pissed off must some of the other guys have been that they didn't get a character that everything got completely financed? Because you can't have that character and then show up in a you know in a mid sized yeah. rental car with three other guys crammed in it you know yeah sure
0: you had to show up in a limo everywhere you went and uh that's what they did that's what they did for di
1: it's funny re- very recently they ha- they have all these vignettes up on the wwe network and i was watching these uh all very very recently just just smiling ear to ear i think my favorite one uh may be the pool one where he gets all yes. the kids kicked out of the pool um and, and then also what's yeah, <laughs> and then watching some of the some of the things from WWF superstars where he would in- invite somebody to do something for money uh the one that sticks out is the is the little little boy Dribbling the basketball and just the utter devastation on his face when he kicks the basketball out—it's just so tremendous. If you, if you did, I mean, if he did that today, it would be—he'd have to tweet an, an apology. The WWE would have to apologize and release press releases. And but in that day and age, just you could actually draw heat.
0: <laughs> Some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today, might not fly today, especially because you know people don't believe like they used to.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you can't make them believe like you like you used to.
0: Right, uh and the million dollar man I I mean I don't think it's really a question. Is one of the greatest gimmicks of all time, not just WWF, just anywhere, anytime. I would say uh, the Million Dollar Man, just a tremendous gimmick. Of course, buying the World Wrestling Federation title uh, once Andre the Giant won it crookedly at uh, on the main event. Just what they did to put over the Million Dollar Man. He didn't have to win the title in the ring. He could buy the title. It's just it was a new way of thinking, and it was just fantastic and everything made sense because of who Ted DiBiase portrayed as the million dollar man.
1: Yeah. I mean, and look and looking back at it now, like through a different kind of lens, uh, I think it would have been unbelievable to have Ted DiBiase actually have a WWF championship run where, where Hulk Hogan or somebody or Savage had to chase, him for the title for uh, for a stretch. I think it would have been um, tremendous as well, but uh, obviously they never they never went that route, but in hindsight it's twenty twenty. but uh, th- that would have been tremendous in my book.
0: Yeah, I'm not quite sure why they didn't go that way. There are rumors that WrestleMania 4 was going to be him winning the tournament. Of course, they went with Savage, but yeah, it would have been really interesting for them to go that way, but as they say, the... Northeast Territory was always a babyface territory, so they always had a babyface champion on top for the most part.
1: Yes, indeed. All right.
0: Well, uh, those are our picks for favorite gimmicks of the 1980s. We want to hear from you. Want to know your favorite gimmick of the 80s? Let us know. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter. Let us know who you think is right. Is it Mr. Perfect with uh, Brian Malone? Is it Million Dollar Man with me or is it someone else? Who is the favorite gimmick you have from the 1980s? Let us know at the WPAN on Twitter. Also, a better way to let us know is through the voicemail line. Call in, lay your voicemail in. We will play it on this podcast. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. And we have a voicemail, Brian. Oh, goodness. And I'm going to play that for you right now.
1: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Leo Connors calling from Nashville,
0: New Hampshire. I'm at that. Mount Pleasant Elementary School is working, but uh, it is Jan Nelson, J A N Jan, not Jed. All right, guys, keep up the good work, and I absolutely love this new segment, you guys. Guys, thanks. So it is confirmed from Leo. It was uh, Jan, not Jed. So I apologize, Brian.
1: I told you that. what? you didn't believe me? You had, we had to have Leo come and come and tell you, Leo. It, it's funny how long we've actually known Leo, by the way.
0: Yeah, he used to come around chaotic all the time, and now he's doing that show. We've talked about it with uh, Sonny Goodspeed. You weren't actually there, but we talked about how uh, Sonny does that show a bunch, The Ring and All Other Sports. It's a show on national cable access, and you can find it, I think, you can go to Leo Connors page on YouTube. Just look up Leo Connors and subscribe. And he has all these great interviews with all these guys from New England. So he's doing the Lord's work up there in Nashua when it comes <laughs> yeah, to wrestling.
1: Yeah, great, Leo's a great uh, great, supporter of of independent wrestling in the New England area. And, you know, great fan, great supporter. You know, there needs to be more fans like Leo out there. So thanks for calling in, Leo. Really, really appreciate it. And, and like I said, I've known Leo for almost the entirety of my career now at, at this point. So good dude. And, and like I said, great supporter of, of the business.
0: Yes, he is. And, uh, thank you, Leo. And we really appreciate everyone who calls it the wrestling podcast about nothing. The number once again, four Oh one five, eight, four nine, seven, two six booking the territory with Mike mills, Buddy Harper, Doc Turner. Twice a week, they do new podcasts. On Sunday, it's the Smoky Mountain Show. Thursday, it is the old-school old, uh, old school JCP show. We're going to talk about the Saturday Night 605 show from 1987 at this point. Go to MikeMills.Podbean.com for more information from booking the territory. Another great old-school show that we love is Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast with Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Every Monday, new episodes drop, so right after you listen to us, go check out OVPPodcast.com that is the best place to find out more about our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast greetings from Allentown with PW, Peter Winson one single episode of wrestling television each and every week he reviews in his own special style so check out greetings from Allentown and the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, Adam Salzer Sal, Troy, all the rest RundownWrestling.com is the way to find out all about the Rundown Wrestling Network so many good shows going on there. Check out rundownwrestling.com. Brian, you are just back from Atlanta, Georgia. We'll probably talk about this in a uh, different segment later on in the month, but how was the what was the feel backstage now that a lot of the top guys have gone?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's it's a couple different things, Mike. It's one of excitement. Uh, And and the other is is, uh, I think a giant chip on the collective shoulders of, of, of this roster and the guys who are on it and the new additions who have come in, everybody singing the death knell of ring of honor. And I feel like that's a, that's a common thing (laughs) in the, in the history of that company. You know, how many times have people written them off because this guy left or that guy left or this one left or that one left. And it's going to keep going on and it's going to keep being successful. And, um, the last night, the energy I, I think in Atlanta, from the locker room to the fans and everybody in between, um, was just unbelievable. It was a it was a really great night, and you know I, I think there's a lot of momentum starting to build already for what's to come in April.
0: And that's a good thing. Very good thing. Um, I don't know how much you want to get into the what happened last week with the, the new promotion that was announced and the, the rally. But I just want to really, in general, say that it's a good time to be optimistic. I put out a tweet, actually, that I was accused of not actually tweeting. <laughs> that uh, it's a good time to be optimistic about professional wrestling with all that is happening. Uh, people getting good contracts, good deals, a lot of money to be made now in wrestling. Regardless of uh, of what's going on with, you know, ROH and and whatever, but it's a good time for professional wrestling as a whole. Would you not agree?
1: Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, um I I hope AEW is usually successful because it's good for everybody. The more successful wrestling companies there are out there for people to uh, to work, it, that's that's going to be better for everybody, better for the fans, better for the wrestlers, better for all of anybody involved in wrestling. You know, cameramen, producers. You know, it, it's it's a great time uh, to be involved in wrestling, and um, you know, it's exciting, uh, and it's something that uh, it, there there shouldn't be one person in the wrestling business that's including if you're working for, quote-unquote, competing companies. I, I don't think anybody should be rooting for that company to fail. We should, it should we should all be rooting for it to be a success because I think I think the more success that everybody has, the better.
0: And I guess maybe I'm thinking more in terms of as wrestlers, but there's a lot of negativity with just the, the fan bases out there. I don't understand it. It's just baffling to me.
1: Over AEW there is?
0: Yeah, just the way the rally went, and yada yada yada. I think the people are looking at it as they're trying to compete head to head with with Vince, and I just don't understand why people are getting all bent out of shape about it.
1: I don't. I don't either. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. I haven't seen it, although I haven't really, you know, sought it out either. Um, I don't know how you're if you're a fan you could be you could be negative about it like what reason do you have to be negative about it it's not your money it's not your anything it's just gonna be another wrestling program for you to watch and potentially enjoy um, that that's the way I look at it. I mean, certainly their talent roster is 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 pretty stacked um, when you look at just the guys that have been announced and then some of the rumors that are out there. so I mean it, it's a great time to be in wrestling i don't I can't understand why anybody, especially fans would be would be negative about, about AEW because I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, and I, and I don't think they're looking to quote unquote compete with like, man, there's, there's enough, there's enough room in the marketplace for everyone uh, to be successful and to make money. That's my honest opinion. You know, when you think of the, the Monday night wars, maybe I don't think you'll ever see that again. I I don't think AEW is going to all of a sudden want to go live on Monday nights or (laughs) whatever, you know, um, Uh, I I think maybe WCW, I don't know about that, because WCW is really mismanaged from a higher-up standpoint, but they could still be around if they weren't maybe so heavily focused on putting WWE out of business.
0: All right, let's move on, Brian, to something that was announced recently. We haven't really talked about it yet. What do you know about Beyond Wrestling's new venture, Uncharted Territory?
1: Oh, I mean, I know just what they've put out there, you know, the, which has been pretty, pretty much everything. You know, I remember talking to Drew Cordero about this on a road trip to Philadelphia with him uh, about how they, he wanted to do a weekly a weekly series. So again, I think I think it's a great thing. I think it's um, you know it's something new for an independent promotion to do. You know, he's putting his ass on the line a little bit. Beyond Wrestling, of course, a, a great a great history and a great launching pad, but. Um, I, I know from talking to drew he wants to do something different he wants a new challenge uh, within wrestling and he wants to take this on so hopefully I'll be a part of it hopefully hopefully you'll see me on some uncharted territory episodes but you never know but yeah I think it, I think it's a really cool thing and uh, one I mean hey you know if you know drew Cordero and if you know the history of beyond wrestling and where it came from and what it's become and um, don't bet against the guy just just don't do it. <laughs>
0: All right, and it's going to be Wednesdays, I believe. I think it starts in April. It is. And it's going to be on independentwrestling.tv is the service that he's using to get that out there each and every Wednesday. Correct. All right, it is time for this week's promo about nothing kingpin. But before we get into that, you are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing the H of ours, plying your trade as a pro wrestler, and you got dates.
1: I do, Mike. The next time I'll be in action, I'll be heading for the first time ever to the great state of Texas. How about that? Yeehaw. Yeah, I'll be heading to Houston, Texas uh, on Friday night, January the 25th, uh, for Ring of Honor's Tag Wars. How about that, Mike? The very next night... uh, I will be heading to San Antonio, Texas for night three of the tour. I'm not on night one of the tour Thursday night in in Dallas, but I'm on nights two and three, Houston and San Antonio. Looking forward uh, to going down and meeting some of the great fans in the great state of Texas. I also do want to mention that uh, uh, you should check out, if you're in the New England area, definitely check out uh, the Northeast Wrestling Events on January 25th and 26th in Poughkeepsie, New York and Waterbury, Connecticut. Uh, Originally, I was scheduled for those, but I will be with Ring of Honor now, but do want to go ahead And plug those shows, northeastwrestling.com, for ticket and full card information there. February the 1st, Mike, I return to Chaotic Wrestling, Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, I'm in some sort of scramble for the new England title. I'm not really sure why I'm in this thing. I've already been to the top of the mountain three times. Why the hell am <laughs> I climbing halfway back? <laughs> oh, that was just for you, buddy. But, uh, I'll be part of chaotic Wrestling's Great event on February the first, the road to cold fury. I will, uh, I will be there live in attendance, February, the first chaotic for ticket and card information. And because I'm on my phone, Mike, and can't look at my full calendar, we're going to only do a couple more sets of dates here. And that's February 9th and 10th. I will be heading to the great state of Florida for the first time to wrestle. I've been to the great state of Florida many times uh, for vacation, but uh, going for business this time. Uh, Ring of honors, international TV taping, Saturday night, February the 9th in Lakeland, Florida. And then Sunday, uh, February the 10th, I will be heading to Miami. Bienvenido a Miami, Mike. (laughs) RHwrestling.com for tickets, card information, and also information on Honor Club. Ring of Honor's streaming service.
0: Lots of great states out there these days, Brian.
1: Yes, there is. And I'm visiting a lot of them. (laughs) I guess
0: any state that brings you in is a great state.
1: Yes. I should also mention that uh, uh, in March, I'll be heading to Las Vegas for for Ring of Honor. So pretty excited about that.
0: Amazing. Well, if you want to book the Kingpin, email Brian Malonis at Comcast.net or DM him on Twitter at Brian Malonis. Brian, as you can tell, the baby has finally fallen asleep, so I am taking it down a notch. Uh, as I tend to do. (laughs) Brian, we have a a small uh, abode. We have a very humble home here. I'm just trying to keep it uh, down to a dull bar.
1: Yeah, okay, Mike.
0: Brian, (laughs) this promo about nothing is from the year 1988. And we're going back to the National Wrestling Alliance, Jim Crockett Promotions, and Brian, we're going to hear from Tony Schiavone, who is standing by with Luke. With Butch, and with Johnny Ace, <laughs> they are the Sheep Herders. Let's take a listen to this week's promo about
1: nothing. Bunga dude. Luke Williams, Butch matter and Johnny Ace.
0: Whoa, you know, Tony Chabani, the time is now come.
1: The time is coming, cousin. The
0: time is there for the Sheep Herders to do what they were going to do On the- through the... In America! So, Brian, I don't think this is the full promo, um, but we got the meat of it here. We got the uh, the best part. Could
1: that be considered a walk off?
0: <laughs> I, I guess so. Do we want to like describe actually what happened? You can't tell necessarily from the audio but i mean uh butch you obviously you hear him trip up a little bit and he just stops and just walks off camera and you know Luke of the Bushwhackers always has that like glassy-eyed nutty look to him. But like you see, he like when he turns and looks and sees Butch walk off, he's just like you see the real guy there for seconds. He's <laughs> like, Whoa, "What the fuck's happening?"
1: And then he just does like there's a weird like twitching his face into the camera. Like I'm not really sure what uh what he I, I don't know. Did he think he could redo it? I I don't understand.
0: I mean, I know they did everything live to tape in this day at the old uh, studio, at the TV studio there for World Championship Wrestling, but yeah, he he's trying to like reset and like, uh, yeah, he goes off camera. The camera ends ends up going over to him, and he's doing like a half bushwhacker bounce thing with his arm, and he's twitching in his, his shoulder, and like like he's trying to like uh, get himself right to restart the promo. but He's just like staring at the camera and it's really uncomfortable and awkward.
1: Was it Luke that he kind of yells in the background? The United States of America.
0: I don't think so. I think that's someone in the crowd.
1: You're like a fan? <laughs> what yeah. a weird thing to yell.
0: <laughs> well, because they got the uh, New Zealand flag. If anyone's flying a flag other than the uh, United States flag in wrestling, you must hate that country. isn't that true Um, Johnny Ace just doing his best work there
1: yeah just added added a lot to that to that promo (laughs) so
0: back in this day the sheep herders before they went to the WWF and became the bushwhackers they were heels and they had oh they always had a flag bearer who would carry the New Zealand flag and at one time it was Johnny Ace later known as John Laurinaitis (laughs)
1: later known as a dynamic dude
0: Well, yeah. Before he was known as John Laurinaitis, yes, he was known as that dynamic dude. But yeah, he's just back there with sunglasses and a a glorious mullet, and he's you know got the uh, it's not the Union Jack, right? The 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 flag of
1: I think it is, isn't it? No,
0: Australia.
1: I don't. I don't freaking know, man.
0: We're like the ignorant Americans here <laughs> that we just yeah. kind of we just kind of destroyed two seconds ago, the guy yelling that on the crowd now we're in the same boat as him,
1: yeah, it's not a gimmick folks <laughs> it's real life, <laughs> so yeah
0: go out of your way to go and check this out. It's very awkward and uncomfortable. I spent like literally like a half hour on the w w e network, which I am still subscribed to until uh probably five days from now when it when it lapses and cancels, but uh I went looking for this on the uh, old World Championship Wrestling shows to find the full promo and how he got back on track, but couldn't find it. If anyone out there knows where I can find the rest of this promo, let me know at the WPA on Twitter and uh, hopefully we'll get uh, some resolution to this, but by the time it cuts off here, it's just uh, very uncomfortable.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, most uncomfortable for the two guys standing there.
0: Yes, and Tony Schiavone as well, but he's got that mustache, so that's... (laughs) full of discomfort you heard this promo about nothing if you want the full picture find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com alright Kingpin we'll be back here next Monday for episode 144 of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing till then here's the Kingpin Brian Malonis I'm Mike Crockett from a very quiet home big ups to Mucko and thanks for nothing